What does that mean? Thing you just did with your hand. I was I was I was yeah, trying to figure out whether or not it was time to start recording. Like you're holding your arm like straight at like a forty five like degree angle, just like straight out. What does that mean? Yeah. I don't get I've never seen that before. <laughs> Is that important? Uh no, it's not important. Okay. Uh, <laughs> What is important is that it's time to bring Franco February to an end on March 1st. Okay. Yeah, that <laughs> seems appropriate. It's gone on long enough. Yes, uh, we had a late start and therefore a late end, but we're only late by a day, so it's fine. Yeah, we're late bloomers. We are late bloomers. And we have COVID and it stunted our growth. Yes. <laughs> but... Uh, it's time to wrap things up, and what more fitting way to wrap things up than to talk about Al Pereira versus the Alligator Ladies, which is Jess Franco's final completed film. Oh, this is the last one he finished? This is the last one that he finished. There is a follow-up film called Revenge of the Alligator Ladies that was finished by Antonio Mayans, mm. uh, including like 40 minutes of footage that Jess had shot. Uh, okay. Before he passed away, it's like when Ed Wood uses like that last like couple of minutes of like Bella Lugosi footage that he had. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Uh, but in in this case, this is uh, I wouldn't say it's Jess's best work, but it is something that's kind of interesting and a very poignant into his uh, completed film career. And it it comes along at an interesting time. He begins where he's in fighting the robot men. <laughs> right, that's one of his first ones. Uh, yeah, Attack of the Robots. That was that was early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, robot men, like fucking Doctor Who, Cybermen. <laughs> There's some bullshit in there. But uh, this came out in 2012. There's a Scorpion song called Robot Man. Ooh, 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 I'm a robot man. Ooh, 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 I'm a loser. You know that one? Uh, I do not know that one. Well, maybe you know this one. Oh, yeah, I do know that one. Yeah, I'm doing some real good vamping while you're looking through your book. But um, I think it's important to understand in the timeline where exactly this came. So, of course, it's... It's close to the end of Jess's life here. Um, this film was shot in, looks like June of 2012, uh, July of 2012. Okay. And uh, first released in October of that same year. Wow. I was about a decade younger then. Yeah, <laughs> thereabouts. Um, so, important to this timeline is that in late 2011, uh, Lena Romay noted that she had been feeling just uncharacteristically tired and went to see a doctor who confirmed that she had cancer. Okay. And by February 2012, she had passed away. I'm always tired. I mean... Mm -hmm. But, uh... Mm. Oh, sorry. I'm not going to kill myself. So it was the wrong <laughs> button. Hold on. There we go. Of course, uh, Lena Romay was much younger than Jess, so she unfortunately had passed away at the relatively young age of 57. Mm -hmm. 
Jess, uh, who was in his 80s by this point, uh, was still alive. And it was through his uh, friend and longtime collaborator, Antonio Mayans, that this film uh, began its creation. Uh, after Lena passed away in February, they started shooting this film in July, and as I said, it premiered in October. At the very end of the film, there's a teaser for Revenge of the Alligator Ladies, a sequel to this that yeah. uh, just began, but unfortunately he passed away in April of 2013 and the film was not completed um, until Antonio Mayans took the reins and uh, took the film to its finish line. But we're not talking about that film today. We're talking no. about Jess's final completed film, Al Pereira versus the Alligator Ladies. Now, what is an Alligator Lady? So, uh, it is apparently Alligator is a Spanish slang for vagina. Oh, the Vagina Ladies. More or less, yes. Okay. Um, and we have Al Pereira here, who is uh, the name of a private eye who appears in several of Jess Franco's films. Um, in particular, one that I've seen was the film Downtown, where Jess Franco himself played Al Pereira. Oh. But uh, he was played by multiple people in the 70s, and in the 80s, it kind of became Antonio Mayans' he was role. signature role. Who, yeah, he appeared in like five films in the 80s as Al Pereira. And uh, he came back in this role in 2012. And uh, this film happened. <laughs> so Jess had been on a run of shot on video stuff since the 90s. And uh, the last few films that Jess had made had become exceedingly more experimental and less plot focused and uh narratively speaking rather thin Stephen thrower refers to this film as his as jess's best film in 25 years and i don't know but then again thinking about it i've seen very little of his stuff in the 25 years leading up to it i guess so I like the that killer barbies movie yeah the killer barbies movie was pretty good that was a fun one it's like a little slasher film yeah the rock man yeah i definitely like that more i mean even mary cookie and the killer tarantula is more watchable i'd say yeah but i would also say that there's there's some interesting stuff at this film yeah there's definitely some interesting things going on in it but I, i'm gonna disagree with mr i'm gonna disagree with professor thrower <laughs> well, regardless, uh, we have, of course, Jess Franco here, and uh, as I mentioned, his longtime collaborator that we've seen uh, multiple times this month, Antonio Mayans, appears as Al Pereira. And instead of Al Pereira being a private investigator who is uh, trying to solve some sort of mystery, he's really appearing as just kind of a component for a series of vignettes and mm -hmm. odd scenes. But yeah. he's also appearing as Antonio Mayans along the way. And uh, we get a lot of Jess Franco in mirrors and talking off screen, similar to Sex is Crazy. Yes. 
the overall result of this is kind of an odd thing to try to digest, but at the end of the day, if you look at it as Jess Franco's final film and think about it as something that Jess perhaps was conscious of perhaps being his final film, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of interesting things to digest along the way. So, without any further ado... Oh, yeah. Um, I think that we'll go ahead and dive into talking about the film. Yeah. Um, I'll talk about all of the things that happen along the way. The events that make up uh, a life. And... Uh, Career retrospective. We'll try to dissect it a little bit and give our thoughts on it. But similar to when we were talking about Sex is Crazy... It's hard to really make out exactly what's happening in this film, perhaps mm-hmm. more so than that one even, but uh, a bunch of things happen, and there's some interesting talking points to it, we'll say. I think I get it. All right. But I'm going to hold it in until the end. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to um, throw the baby out the bathwater that is this movie. <laughs> So uh, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll be back to throw the baby out with the bathwater and talk about Al Pereira versus the alligator ladies. And welcome to the Raincoat Report. Oh, yes. Jeremy and Boss. Yes. We are them. Yeah. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Anciano. at my house i would let you eat all the cookies you wanted <laughs> i have let you eat many cookies at have my you, house you wouldn't let me eat those ones two weeks ago and i'm still I was, fucking I was, mad about it <laughs> i was trying not to open the other thing of cookies because as long as the cookies remain closed i'm far less likely to reach my hand in and pull a bunch out it wasn't about you it was about me okay <laughs> you need to figure that out you sometimes need- your actions affect people who aren't you and you need to learn that I don't think that's true. And I think, you know, I think you need to take that back. Hey, now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? Actually, I remembered it now. Bonk of the week. For not not letting me eat cookies two weeks ago. Well, shit. (laughs) Well. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Uh, (laughs) You left me speechless. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It's well, good. that's what the strike on the hammer is. I hit you right in the language center of your brain. <laughs> uh, well, anyhow, let's talk about Jess Franco's final completed film, Al Pereira versus the Alligator Ladies. Yeah, I like them. They come out of the morning fog. <laughs> I think that's what they said. So Rocky Erickson said he wrote a song 
It's a cold night for alligators when they burst in through the morning fog. Oh. Yeah. And, um, oh, he's kind of hard to make out the rest of his words. They're, they're, they're kind of nonsense. <laughs> Fair enough. He got electrocuted a bunch for stealing people's mail. They put him in an asylum. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Yeah. And, uh, uh <laughs> so the alligators. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we open on some shots of the sea as is tradition with a Jess Franco film and we get our credits. Did he ever make a film like at sea? Is there like a sea-based horror film from him? Not that I'm aware of. Like something with like a submarine would have been perfect for that guy. Yeah. Like, all of the things that I can think of are like seaside. Just Franco's Das Boot. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of silver painted like undead slaves that run it. It's like four hours long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we cut to a table with some naked women in thigh highs and heels entangled in one another. These, in fact, are our alligator ladies. Yeah. We then cut to Al Pereira in bed, and we see our old Antonio Mayans there. He's apparently having a dream where he's trying to save uh, some women who he's referring to as his babies. Yeah. Uh Aww. But he's uh, miming him holding guns trying to save them. In his dream. We then cut to our alligator lady. So they're not named. They're given numbers in the credits. Uh, and I don't know that I have them numbered as they are in the credits. But I numbered them based off of their screen appearance. One of them I think is named Irene. Yes, I believe alligator lady one is Irene. Okay. At least based on my numbering. Lena Romay is not in this. No, she is dead. dead. They should have showed her grave. That's dark. No, it would have been... He could have went around to all the graves of the ladies he killed. (laughs) All the ladies he killed? Soledad Miranda. Oh, no. Lena Romay. And, uh... What's that third one? There's another lady he used for a bit, and I can't think of her name. It's something Rom. It's not Ernst Rom. He led the essay and was purged <laughs> in the Night of the Long Knives. Uh, I mean, the, the name's familiar to me. I don't yeah, know. I, I can't remember. I'm it's sure okay. that many women who have been in Jess Franco films are dead. Oh. Nobody talks about that, though. Yeah. Nobody put that together. No one put that together. <laughs> that all the people that were in his movies have died. <laughs> Even Antonio Mayans, I assume. No, he's still alive and kicking. Wow. Let's get him on the show. For next Franco uh, February. We'll see what we can do. He'll be dead by then. Don't say that. Well, I'm sorry. Perhaps, maybe, in a way, we'll get him. He's, uh... Is he a recluse? He has... No, he's... He, I checked his IMDb. He's still got movies coming out. He uh, has been appearing on the special features for Severin's uh, Jess Franco releases. That makes Him sense. and Stephen Thrower have been doing a series of featurettes called In the Land of Franco, where they visit locations oh, yeah, I've that seen... were in uh, Jess Franco movies. Yeah, I've seen some of those. Okay, well, I'm glad he's still around. I'm going to see if he's got Twitter. Uh, but anyhow, <laughs> the film introduces us to our first alligator lady, a dark-haired woman. She's naked, walking across a large open room. 
it appears this movie is shot in like a hotel or something or like a hotel meeting room. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see on screen a bunch of film lights set up. That's not it. Um, Alligator Lady 1 is gyrating to the music as she smokes a cigarette and then squats on the floor. Unfortunately, she was not making a cocktail. <laughs> but another woman walks in uh, with blonde hair. I believe it's a wig. Yeah, uh, thought, Alligator Lady 2. I thought that was a wig as well. She mm. changes hair color later in the film. But she has tattoos. She does. All about her body. She walks over to Alligator Lady 1 and begins to grind against her. As the grinding continues, Al Pereira shows up and grabs the ladies a bit, and then he turns to the camera and addresses it, introducing himself by name and explaining he's a private eye. Highly private, he says. The ladies note that this son of a bitch, as they say, is funny. And Al Pereira blows smoke in their faces before taking off to sit at a table and watch them dance and grind against each other. There's some classic Franco fake cunnilingus here, and even some fake stomach licking. Al Pereira seems entertained nonetheless as he sits and smokes. He notes he's seen this show a million times and tells the ladies they make him sick and he leaves. The ladies, however, continue to enjoy one another. It's interesting because if you look at this film with Al Pereira acting kind of as a proxy for Jess Franco, you could make a conclusion that perhaps in some ways Jess is less interested in all of this than he was in the past. You sure? Yeah. Uh, Certainly that line, he talks about having seen the show a million times. That's fair. A lot of it, and like we're, we're, we talk past a lot of it, but a lot of it is just like lingering long shots of just uh, someone just kind of dancing and showing their ass for minutes at a time. Yes. Um, and at this point, Jess Franco, we see later in the film is just sitting around in a wheelchair. Did he need that or was that just for fun? Uh, I'm assuming he probably needed that. He's yeah. probably not in fantastic health. He was 81 at this point. That's the point. That's a fair um, point. He's covered in liver spots. And yeah, he is. <laughs> and he I mean, he's smoked his entire career. You always see him smoking. When and, am I gonna get liver spots? Uh probably soon. Maybe before we're even done with this episode. Brown spots. Your brown spots join together and become liver spots. My brown spots are they're offset by my jaundice. <laughs> Uh, so I kind of have like a, a healthy olive glow at the moment. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> we then cut to another room where Alligator Lady 1 is joined by another Alligator Lady, another woman in dark hair, who I'll call Alligator Lady 3. Okay. They press their bodies against each other and dance slowly. Oh yeah, I was going to note that Jess Franco is the director of photography in this and is in charge of the camera. And because of that, and the fact that he's not very mobile, more so than before, his shots are very static in this film. Yes. Uh, As you had mentioned, there's a lot of shots of just them dancing, but a lot of it's a static camera. Now, there are some scenes where you see his camera kind of moving on the tripod and him doing his zoom-ins and some blurry shots. Although I'll say there's very there's very few blurry shots, no. but he's doing less zooming mid shot as yeah. well. Yeah, uh, was this on digital? 
Yes, this okay. was shot on digital video. That's what I had. To, uh, yeah. I do feel like, you know, obviously he probably couldn't afford to do it at this point if it had been shot on film. Right, right. Like a lot of like this location and stuff would look a lot nicer. Yeah, for sure. Like it, with that little bit of grain on it, as it stands, it kind of looks like how you would think about like, like kind of like tacky up, upper middle class stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Stephen Thrower kind of mentions that because once Jess started shooting stuff on video, mm-hmm. he started leaning heavily into visual effects. And if you remember uh, Mary Cookie and the Killer Tarantula, which I think is the only video film that we've kind of talked about to this point, mm-hmm. there's a lot of weird... There's a lot of weird digital stuff, but even on the like more normal shots, there's a lot of like video filters and color changes right. and stuff like that. And he leaned really heavily into that. Uh, up until this film really is kind of the exception to the rule. And this one has a lot more of a sterile look to it because of that. Right. It looks more like, like an ill-lit modern film. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It has that that sterility to it that you do see like a lot and especially stuff from like 2010s era when they were kind of like perfecting yeah yeah because some of the earlier digital like video had kind of like a soft focus thing that was going on yeah yeah and here it's almost sharpened to the point where it's just like you're seeing it through your own eyes yeah there's not much else like slapped on top of it to uh separate you i suppose yeah at at this point the video had gotten clear enough you know the optics were there and the the compression and everything was good and we're shooting it probably 1080p full high def and so we don't have that as you said kind of the blurriness of earlier high def or or earlier digital video right and the thing is that while I don't know all of the specific details, I know that to get the same sort of lighting effects in digital video versus shooting on film, you have to light things completely differently. Mm-hmm. Um, film, from what I've heard and read, just the more light that you shine at something, it just looks great regardless. Right. Whereas with digital video, if you overlight things, people, look- it just looks pallid yeah yeah and that's sort of the case here yeah because it's just got this very you know as we said sterile look to things and i mean it's it's good in the sense that everything's very clear and sharp and right absolutely see what's going on and you can see everything but sometimes seeing everything isn't the best and there's no real attempt to work with shadow and stuff like that yeah this this isn't a larry ravine film no it just it lacks a little bit of character i think because you don't because he is older and because he's using newer technology that kind of take for granted in his older films right but uh you know all that said what do you got to (laughs) say well i've got to say the ladies continue to enjoy themselves with Jess spending some time focusing on their crotches, as he is wont to do. Unfortunately, that song doesn't play, although uh, Stephen Thrower in his book notes several songs that were reused from earlier films. That's understandable. Uh, the, live, the 
just we gotta bust into that Jess Franco library and get some of that music. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Alligator Lady 3 squats on the ground and gives fake oral to Lady 1 for a bit. They sink towards the ground together, caressing one another, and they work their ways back up to standing. Al Pereira appears on the edge of a sofa nearby, making a comment about how he was missing out on the party. The ladies fall down on the sofa, and they ask what he's doing there, and he tells them he's just visiting. His tie is... Completely flipped backwards in this. Oh yeah, yeah. As someone who had to wear a tie for four years uh, in Catholic school, I noticed it immediately. I suppose. <laughs> Al gets up complaining about the youth these days. I get that. We then cut to Al Pereira in the dining room with all three alligators ladies. He's tossing cards onto a table nearby. The ladies say he must be a sugar daddy and laugh. Al says a sugar daddy pays all the bills, and then one of the ladies notes, well, he never pays anything, and they all laugh. He tells them to start being serious. And there's a couple shots here where he's, like, wearing, like, a vest, like, a suit vest. Uh-huh. And then in the next shot, he won't be wearing it. Oh. There's quite a bit of uh, strange, like, discontinuity here that... Based, if we take uh, sex is crazy as a model, I have to say was purposeful. Perhaps I don't but, know uh, who can who who can really uh, probe the mind of uh, of a Jesus. Yeah, that's interesting because there's definitely a lot of stuff that seems very deliberate in mm-hmm. here. You know, as far as Jess inserting himself into the film right. and stuff like yeah, that, yeah, but yeah. the continuity as far as his. His vest is concerned. I could see potentially being... Accident. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, you know. So then we cut to a woman's shaven crotch. Uh, This is Alligator Lady 3. She pivots back and forth, and then we see the first signs of Jess's wheelchair in a mirror. She sinks to the floor and smiles at the camera, staring directly at it and inching closer. Yeah, she crawled... She crawled to your screen too. Yes, it was basically the ring. Yeah, I uh, ran away, <laughs> so I didn't watch the rest of the movie. So I'm gonna have to rely on you. Yeah, uh, good luck when you get home later. <laughs> she stops smiling after a bit, and then she says to the camera, "You son of a bitch, you're gonna pay for it." And then we hear Jess to tell her to slap the camera, so she swipes her hand in front of the camera. And then Jess tells her to try again for another take and swing harder. And as you noted, during sex is crazy. That's how you know this is deliberate. Yes, because <laughs> Jess would have never asked for a second take. We then cut to see Alligator Ladies 1 and 3 and Al Pereira all being directed by Jess in his wheelchair as he's shooting a mirror. We see his camera that he's using also in the mirror. A mirror? A mirror. A mirror. He's giving direction to Alligator Lady One, who he refers to Irene, having her sway her hips in front of the mirror, butt facing the camera, and slowly revealing her ass. We watch him zooming in way too far at hard increments, but it's kind of demonstrated that that was kind of the rehearsal, and then we cut to what's, I guess, supposed to be the real take. We hear Jess calling action. And we see her dancing, synced up with some music now. This continues for a few minutes. Yeah. 
with her pulling her dress up and turning around, caressing yeah. herself. Yeah, she's supposed to pull it up like really slow per his instructions. And uh, it's a nice sheer dress yeah. that she's wearing. Got a nice uh, little backside. Spent, yeah. Spent some time counting her moles. <laughs> uh, in the reflection, we can see a little bit of Jess's wheelchair, but we also see at one point Antonio Mayans like opening a cabinet and going through it. We then cut to Alligator Lady 3 in the same uh, shot, doing a similar dance in front of the mirror, caressing herself with a lot more focus on her breasts as we hear her moan, as we hear moans over the background yeah, guitar so, music. So yeah, we don't hear her moan, we hear right. a series of disembodied moans set to yeah. this like, flamenco guitar. She also sucks on her fingers for a bit while she's staring at the camera. And then finally, Alligator Lady 3 walks off the screen, and we hear Jess yell out, Cut! We then cut, and see Alligator Ladies 1 and 3 in front of the same mirror, facing each other, touching tongues to organ music. There's some nipple close-ups as their breasts touch, that slip in and out of focus in classic Jess Franco fashion. We then cut to Al Pereira facing the camera, saying, Shame on them with their tits and asses. We see alligator ladies one and two walking outside, and they're coming towards a building that the camera's inside. They let themselves in, and then alligator lady three appears behind them and uh, also lets herself inside. Al Pereira again addresses the camera and says, They're trying to lead us down a path of doom. And they succeeded. How they succeeded. But all of this will end. It's too bad, because those asses are really nice. He's right. But it will all end. So again, if you think of Al Pereira as a proxy for Jess Franco, he's talking about the end. Oh no. In that sense, it's kind of dark. It's dark. He also, I think it's in the same speech, he brings up uh, Silvio Berlusconi, the former uh, prime minister, long time congressman senator i don't know how their system works but Mm -hmm. uh he was in charge for a while and his main thing was just being kind of like an outright like sexist uh more or less a fascist okay kind of uh people consider the prototype for donald trump and he said that uh he's destroyed christian morality and some stuff like that so there's a little bit of social commentary yeah in there as well and uh, I feel like he brings up like another like male figure, but uh, we'll wait and see if your notes remind me of anything. Yeah, uh, Al walks towards the building in the same sort of shot that we see the, saw the uh, alligator ladies walking towards the building. Al says, "Life has forced Al Pereira to become a sacristan." He talks uh, a little bit more and says, You are excommunicated, the three of you. We see the alligator ladies kissing and grinding on a table, and he says, Politicians aren't what they used to be. Yeah, that's this is probably what the, he was yeah, talking about. Yeah, that's where about. he talks. Yeah, I was a little ahead of my time. But we see Al telling the alligator ladies to get lost, and he tells them, Shame on you. Uh, they use some uh, slurs for gay people towards him. Yeah, they sure do. But he threatens to excommunicate them. (laughs) Yeah, that's his right as a sacristan. 
So it's it's interesting because we see this like turn from Al Pereira where all of a sudden he's shaming the woman for the women for their sexuality, whereas in the past Al Pereira is the happy go lucky private eye was even earlier in this film turned on by the sexuality of these ladies. It's like uh Johnny Wood. <laughs> <laughs> Al turns to the camera and explains he has to fulfill extremely unfair obligations, but he will remain the enforcer against these whores. We cut to night, and there's some shots of a statue, and we see Al creeping around the building with a flashlight. Alligator Lady 1 points a gun at him. He tells her to put it down, and she says she was expecting him earlier. She notes that she misses fucking him, and asks when this nightmare will be over. Al replies, when the producers decide it is. Uh, yes. Al grabs the gun and points it at her. He notes it's old and doesn't work and couldn't kill him. She cries, it's the only gun she has. And she indeed starts crying and weeping. She walks off and Al notes that she's disappointing him, but she does have a great ass. Yeah, that's really, you know, that can make up for a lot. We see Alligator Lady 1 walking into the dining room, still crying. She crawls up on the table, at which Alligator Lady 2 is sitting, in front of a canvas of The Last Supper. Alligator Lady 1 cries that she couldn't kill Al Pereira. Alligator Lady 2 notes all she had to do was shoot him twice, but Lady 1 notes she couldn't because he was so handsome. Damn. And also, the gun was old. It was an old gun. It would shoot in two places. Now, The Last Supper, you think it's a symbolic thing? You think that was on purpose? Or you think that was just hanging here when he was filming? I don't know. I'm about 50-50. About 50-50? Yeah. I would say it was probably hanging there, but he realized it was there and used it. Yeah, he's like, I'm old. I'm in a wheelchair, just like Christ, who lived to a ripe old age. But, you know, you think about Jess Franco and his big thing was locations Mm -hmm. and having an eye for it. Right. And I could see him having access to this building and seeing the one room with the Last Supper in the background. He was like, like, I'm going to use this. Yeah, I was like, I can use this. I'll I'll, I'll think of something. You know, he doesn't have quite the uh, level of location work in this that he does in other films. He's Right. You know, he's immobile and kind of just has what he has to work with. But yeah, it's I think in this, in this particular building, he was going to use every bit of it that he could. But you can also see that in some of his older films, like uh, yeah, last week's. Uh, last week's film, which was Cocktail Special. Yeah, last week's film, Cocktail Special, uh, really only took place in like one location. There are some beat shots and some other things, but it's pretty... It wasn't like, uh, it's similar to uh, also Cries of Pleasure. Yeah. Where there is just sort of one location that isn't particularly remarkable, but does have some defining features to it. Sure. Uh, Yeah. I would definitely say like uh, Night of Open Sex had certainly more locations. Right. And uh, Sex is Crazy for sure. Yeah. uh, Countess Perverse. A lot of the nice locations. Yeah, that that was that was one that was of the also, better films for Which was locations. also in Night of the Open Sex. Yeah, yeah. The that, open sex. That weird uh red staircase and all yeah. that stuff. Man. I wish we had a weird red staircase. Yeah. 
I don't know. Like, we do have that uh, brewery to shoot at, but... There's no red staircase. Also, maybe we won't have that to shoot at for long. We'll see. It seems like it's either... Tyler's either going to get fired or it's going out of business. Either yeah. way, I won't I'm have to start paying for beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's really the saddest part. Maybe we we need to make a point to get Tyler to bring us as much beer as he can. He yeah oh yeah just like uh like the Johnny Cash song where he steals a car part at a time to build a whole car. <laughs> but instead, at the end, you just have a, a fridge packed to the brim with overpriced beer. <laughs> You know? Yeah. One's as explosive as the other, when you think about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, Alligator Lady 1 is crying about how she couldn't Irene. kill Al Pereira. Irene. Irene, yes. Get her name right. She's got 36 moles. Alligator Lady 2 <laughs> notes all she had to do was shoot him twice, but she couldn't because... He was handsome and the gu- and the gun was old. We already said that. Yeah, you said that. But Lady Two notes not to worry and they'll try again. And Lady Two also says, "What would we become without the union support?" Which is an interesting line. We then see an older lady who we only see at this part of the movie. She's in a purple realm, yelling things like, "You're despicable! Shame on you, filthy it, fucking women!" It's- and she's like kind of like a middle-aged like Asian woman. Yes. Yeah. She says, whip them 25 times, indecent daughters of Satan. You have to become like he is, your father, the Honorable Fu Manchu. Which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Franco did at least like one Fu Manchu film, right? He, he did like a two series. Or he he. He did at least two. Okay. Was that one was of, one of the one I, That might have been when he met uh, Christopher Lee. Was that... Uh, was one of those a uh, Mystery Science Theater episode? Perhaps. I could... I believe it. Uh, but yeah, I know that he made a couple... Uh, like So like a, a couple Fu Manchu films. Yeah. Uh, so again, it's kind of a, a tie-in to Jess's film right, history. Right. His, yeah, his... To, yeah. I wonder if... Maybe this woman, because Fu Manchu famously has a daughter. Mm. I wonder if this is her. Perhaps. He got hold of her like 30 years later. I don't know. We cut back to Pereira talking about stopping unionists to Lady One, Irene. He talks about how in On the Waterfront, it was a unionist who fucked everything up. He then throws Irene into a bed and uh, Alligator Lady Two joins her. Mm. Did Franco ever have anything to do with Wells? Franco finished, finished in quotes, right. Orson Welles' uh, Don Quixote film in okay. the 90s. All right. I think maybe he worked with Wells at some point on the footage, maybe. He might have been like a second unit director or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cause I was thinking that, I was thinking of Radley Metzger. I know he did, like, he get cut. Uh, like trailers for like Criterion and Janus films and stuff was how he had uh, kind of got started. Yeah, but I'm I'm thinking there's a Wells Franco connection that uh, my mind is too browned up to uh, articulate, which is why you logged into your computer as everyone heard. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so uh, there was a Treasure Island project in 1965 that was unfinished and. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I, I just kind of did a search on Jess Franco's Wikipedia page. Uh, but the film was supposed to star Orson Welles as Long John Silver. Uh, Wells wrote the screenplay and wanted Franco to co- to co-direct it with him after viewing Franco's film Rafifi in the City. Okay. There was also uh, the Chimes at Midnight. Yeah, he's second unit director on that. I knew he was. He had something. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Apparently, Orson Welles would have been in a film that uh, Jess was working on in the 70s called The Man from Guyane, G-U-Y-A-N-E, that was unfinished. Uh-huh. It think- would have had Wells, Klaus Kinski, and Howard Vernon, but it never got completed because Erwin Dietrich could not get the financing for it. We were talking about On the Waterfront, which I somehow connected to Wells, even though it's an uh, Ilya Kazan film. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Oops. Oh, well. Was On the Waterfront, is that Marlon Brando? In yeah. That one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, is that the, I could have been a contender? Yeah, 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 yeah. We really have gotten, we've gone far astray. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know who directs movies. But importantly, uh, in 1992, Franco completed Don Quixote, which had been started by Orson Welles back in 1957 as projected uh, to be a TV series. So he took the footage that he shot back in the 50s and added a bunch of stuff. And this was eventually theatrically released in 1995 to disappointing reviews. This was one that I haven't seen, but mm-hmm. I'm interested in tracking down because I am I have uh, a lot of interest in Orson Welles' work. And I think that the Jess Franco-Orson Welles crossover is fascinating. Yeah, that's... Uh... I'm glad I, I, I drew that up, even though I was, <laughs> there's no connection. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. Um, you know what? Bonk of the week. That's on me now. <laughs> so the alligator ladies ask if Pereira is related to James Bond, and he says that Bond is almost related to him. Hmm. He looks at the camera and says that they're like little girls, stupid and ridiculous, but they're cute. The ladies suspect that Al Pereira is getting horny and they fall down on their backs on the bed in front hmm. of him, inviting him, come here. Al just leans down and smiles. They call him boring as he does no more than that. Suddenly we hear Jess off screen yell out, Antonio, bend down now, noting that During rehearsal, he'll just call him Antonio. But Al, or Antonio, responds to Jess, This isn't rehearsal, we're shooting. Antonio then goes over the lines with Jess, which include Jess's directions himself. So Antonio's telling him what Jess is supposed to say to him in the scene Mm -hmm. as he's directing him. Right. Right, right, right. So we kind of go back to the narrative, and the ladies note that They were supposed to say that he's stiff as a corpse and he's supposed to shoot them. So Jess calls action and that's exactly what happens. They say he's stiff as a corpse and then he shoots them. Al notes the whims of life. In two seconds, two bullets kill two whores. He looks at the camera and says, Coming up soon, the latest adventures of Al Pereira. We hear canned clapping. And Al Pereira bows to the camera. Uh, we, st- we still don't have clapping. We have laugh. laugh. We have a, 
the laughometer, it measures how much laughter there is, <laughs> right? Yes, yes. And it's, laughter's like, you need a plaza meter. You kept clapping earlier. You rolls into sticks? Yes. It's got that song, it's uh, too much time on my hands. Oh, I'm yeah, like, yeah. It's a little on the nose that they clap when they say they have too much time on their hands, but <laughs> it fucking rocks. <laughs> we see blood dripping on the floor, uh, kind of reminiscent of uh, Vampiros Lesbos. Yeah, there was blood all over the place. Uh, and some shots of the ladies' faces with blood streaming down them. That that uh, bright red blood. Yeah, the famous ketchup, of the, uh, the Euro horror. Yeah, Euro horror. Al sits next to the ladies' bodies on the bed and lights a cigarette with a match. He says, "Cool fact: one son of a bitch less." That is a cool fact. There is so much cigarette smoking in this film. There is. Quite a bit. I think it's the last great hurrah of cigarette smoking in uh, <laughs> cinema, just in general. Yeah, you're probably right. You don't see much after uh, after Gamergate, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> Coincidence? Maybe not. I don't think so. I think the death of Jess Franco, uh, all that, uh, that sexuality he had exploded somewhere had to redirect itself. And it went inward instead of outward. And uh, that's how we got Gamergate. That's why no one smokes anymore. That's why when I get on Twitter after every other week, someone's like, I don't like to see a sex scene on a, a TV show. Ugh. And it makes me uncomfortable. And I'm like... What is wrong with you? Just don't watch Game of Thrones then. It's fine. Watch uh, fucking Arthur. <laughs> watch Dragon Tales. <laughs> go back to the cartoon. Just go back and watch... Little baby shows. I think they've got, in. if you, you go to Britain, you have to pay for like a, a license for your TV. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I think we should combine that sort of with like a licensing exam for like cars. Yeah, and yeah. And like, they do like a psycho, a psycho metric reading on you. Yeah. And if you get like weird and antsy during like a, a sex scene, you can only watch like TV 13, TV 14 <laughs> stuff yeah, until the yeah. next year. You try it again, that's it, you know? Um, I just think that would cut down on a lot of it. If they couldn't see that stuff, they wouldn't right. talk about it. And uh, they would see stuff they were comfortable with, like when they were babies. Yeah, I know uh, Justin LaLiberty, who works for Vinegar Syndrome, was going quite heavily on Twitter about how uh, you know, sex scenes are being kind of excised from films these days. And it's, and one of the things that, uh, he was kind of, uh, uh, I guess retweeting from other people was the fact that we're kind of getting to the point where women's voices are finally being heard in film, but at the same time, we're having less and less sex in films. So in a, you know, in, uh, you saying uh, I should blame ladies for this? No, no. It's it's actually the fact is that if we keep ramping down sex in films, then all of the sex in films is going to be from the male gaze oh, versus yeah. it actually being a healthy, uh, you know, uh, roundup of different views on sexuality. Okay, I'm gonna punch uh, a man. <laughs> 
for doing this to us. Yes. So I can't men, believe men did this to us. Men have stolen the shower scenes from us. Yeah. Ultimately, which that's a it's not Justin. That's not Justin. That's more of a Joe Bob who comments on that. But the shower scene that's gone. It is gone. And uh, there's positives and negatives to that, but I think ul- that ultimately, I think I just want to know what everyone's titties look like. <laughs> Well, I think that the problem is that there are probably people high up in the entertainment industry mm-hmm. who see that there's a lot of, um, criticism, I guess, criticism of sexuality. Uh, well, sort of. there's a lot of criticism of the way that sexuality has been handled in films in the past. Sure. The problem is they don't understand the nuance in that. No, yeah, and yeah. There is a way to have sexuality in films in a way that's not uh, objectifying and yeah. uh, e- or exploitative. Even though I don't necessarily have a problem with exploitative sexuality, considering uh, what kind of movies that we talk about here. Yeah, but like I saw a lady, I saw two horses having sex on the beast in space. Yeah. <laughs> Where do they even get horses in space? That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, no, no one thinks about it. Anyhow, <laughs> we see Alligator Lady 1 smoking a cigarette again. More cigarettes. Um, I think the problem, uh, I'm not going to say it. It's not uh, It's not political correctness run amok. I think it's fine to uh, respect people based on who they are. Yeah. I think the the problem ultimately is like human resources andization has gone am, run amok. Okay. This kind of idea that you need to make language and uh, action like almost as neutral as possible, right? To uh, avoid offending anyone, and it's not like from a a cultural standpoint. It's from a point where you don't want to get sued, so it's just kind of like yeah, it's more legal defense. It's than a legalistic, else. yeah. And I think that culture does not benefit from that. No, no. I think that there's a lot of ways to be respectful of people. And the fact that sexuality is such an important part of people's lives, it's important to have that representation in film. But I think that a lot of people don't understand, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly probably those in charge, old people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't understand the nuance of... Why people have had backlash towards the depictions of sexuality in the past in films. Right. They so, just see that there was uh, pushback and therefore they should just it not just should deal be eliminated. Uh, rather than looking at it, seeing what the problem actually is, and then being able to go on and depict an important part of people's lives right. on film in a respectful or meaningful way. I mean, you can have sex in films people have sex all the time people have had sex since the beginning of time or the beginning of people really right now people are probably someone's listening to our podcast and is they were jerking off to descriptions of asses and titties and (laughs) until we went on to this uh little they might still be this might be what's getting them hard i like to think that it's couples having sex together listening to the podcast you don't like to think of lonely jerkers out there i know that the lonely jerkers are out there the lonely but jerker, the fantasy to me 
In addition to the Lonely Jerkers, there are also couples. They're having their date night tonight. Yeah. They went out to Red Lobster. They ate some Cheddar Bay Biscuits together. And some... uh, I would give it up for some Cheddar Bay Biscuits right now. (laughs) (laughs) They came back. They... They turned off the lights, lit some candles. They're getting turned, cozy turned with each Bluetooth other on the speaker. couch. Was, and then they're, they hear me. <laughs> yes. And uh, it's the ultimate aphrodisiac. Yes, it is. <laughs> Jeremy, the ultimate aphrodisiac. Yeah, people have always said that. I have a voice um, uh, they would like to hear on the radio. <laughs> I don't know if they want to hear they, it. They've definitely said you have a face for radio. Yeah. <laughs> They said that, and they said, if I just heard you instead of seeing you, you would help me come. Which is why I, ha- I wear a bag. I wear a bag on my head. Um. Okay. So anyway, you know, let's talk about movies. Alligator lady one smoking a cigarette on a balcony, and we hear they don't Jess- let you do that in movies anymore. And let me talk about that for a few minutes. <laughs> Uh, Jess is off screen feeding her lines as she's kind of singing to herself. Uh, and he's directing her as she slowly dances. We cut to Al Pereira again in bed. He's miming, he's shooting people in his dreams. We then get a weird visual effect and, uh, ladies one and two are taunting the cameras, uh, using gay slurs again towards Al Pereira. And I guess this is the POV of his dream. We see him rolling around in bed in a panic. We then cut to alligator ladies one and three approaching each other in a wide shot and making out as stage lights shine into the camera. We get some close-up shots of them and they walk off. We hear Jess yell, Antonio! And Al Pereira walks on screen and shoots both ladies dead. We cut to Alligator Lady 3 smoking. She says she's waiting to fuck a gunman. She wonders why she's thinking about Al Pereira right now. He has no authority and no balls, but for some reason she likes him. We then cut to Jess and the actors on screen. There's somebody standing outside of the shot who's holding a mirror that they're all looking at. Jess is complaining about how long it took to get a certain scene they shot right. He then calls for action, and Al is talking about Ohio being just like Minnesota in the springtime. Then he starts talking about Texas, and Jess brings up the song Deep in the Heart of Texas. The lady is giving... just have clapping. Stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas. <laughs> I know that from um, Pee Wee. Oh, yeah, yeah. He had a big adventure there. So Jess keeps giving them direction. The lady talks about being from Timbuktu. And then we get a cut and we see basically the same scene playing out without Jess uh, being in the shot and giving direction. Um, They talk about Texas and Al brings up Chuck Norris as well. Yeah, that was who I was talking about earlier. I feel like there's like a lot of references to like kind of like different role models of masculinity in here. Sure, yeah, yeah. You have yeah. a reference to Berlusconi, you have a reference to Chuck Norris. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what it means necessarily, but <laughs> they keep coming up. I'm going to puzzle it all out by the time you get to the end. 
We then cut to a group of people, including Al and the alligator ladies, all dancing in a circle and singing on a street, dressed up in various costumes. We then get a cutaway of them dancing around inside the building we've been seeing them inside. We cut to alligator ladies one and three together, uh, outside. One points to a building, referring to it as the prince's house, and they stop to kiss. They sing and skip, and uh, Alligator Lady 2 joins them as well. We then see Alligator Ladies 1 and 3 inside the building, and Antonio Mayan shows up uh, here not seeming to play Al Pereira. He seems to be playing a hotel employee. He asks who they are and what they want, and they explain they have a booking, which they kind of have it on a printed out piece of paper for the hotel. But he tells him, this isn't for this place. In fact, all the rooms are booked. One of the ladies asks if his cousin tricked them, and he says, of course, he's a trickster. He then offers them another smaller, more expensive room in another hotel. But then he stops and adds, if you're masochist, you're welcome to stay here. So they decide to stay there. So uh, Antonio points them to the manager off screen. So they walk off screen. And uh, as they walk off, he notes he has a bad feeling about those two. So then Antonio walks off screen. And then we see the women walk back onto the screen. They set their luggage down and Antonio walks in to the shot from behind the counter. They tell him his friend sent them there, and he hands them the keys to the only room left, room 67, and points them down the hall towards it. As they walk off, Antonio runs up behind them to stop them and asks them if he should do a charcoal drawing of them as a souvenir. They seem to question this, and he suggests, well, I could also have my boss do a painting of you. They decide they don't need this right now, and they're going to lay down, so he points them to their rooms. We see Alligator Lady 1 in bed dreaming, and we hear Jess yell out yell out off camera, Wake up! And so she jumps up in bed all startled. She hears a voice yell, Come here! from off screen repeatedly in an echoey, eerie voice. I will kill you, it says. She's very startled by this. We then cut to the person who's been calling this out. And this is Sal Pereira. Oh. He uh, appears to be playing a stereotype of a mentally disabled person. Yeah, he's Al's, uh, he's Finwell. Yes, more or less. Antonio's character asks him if he's Muslim or stupid, and he just says he's from here and he knows nothing. We cut to Alligator Ladies 1 and 2. They mention Sal Pereira and talk about him being an innocent jerk. They mention that His wife is an old hag and a bitch, but they don't mean that in an offensive way, they add. We then cut to Alligator Lady 1 in bed with another woman. We hear a bunch of gossip and voiceover, and the woman wakes up scared. She's comforted by uh, the other Alligator Ladies. Uh, They talk about the Bible being like the Lord of the Rings, Mm -hmm. and then mention a woman, Agrippina, who they say is a fantastic woman. Though one woman corrects the other that she's a transvestite, but they all agree that they love transvestites. Yeah, we all do. Al Pereira approaches the alligator ladies and asks, well, I guess it's Antonio Mayans as the 
hotel manager or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he approaches them and asks if, and they ask if he wants them to get dressed. He says he doesn't mind them not being dressed, but he wanted to tell them that the guests in the hotel all die. The ladies note everybody dies eventually. Antonio says, that's why you have to die. He then tells them to get dressed, noting he can see their alligators, and he walks off. Oh. Meanwhile, Sal... They're vaginas. Yes. That's Italian? What? It's like slang? Yeah. I think it's probably Spanish slang. He's not Italian. He's Spanish. Yeah. Alligator. Is that Spanish? Yes, sure. Um, um, I feel great. Meanwhile, Sal Pereira is walking around yelling Heil Hitler and some other stuff. The alligator ladies are walking behind him as he refers to himself in the third person as Rejoy. We get some shots of the sea and ponds and uh, we cut to alligator women one and three talking about their singing abilities uh, some dancing in the building with people all in costumes. And then Sal Pereira hands Al Pereira what he describes as an anonymous letter from his father, noting his father is the Minister of Gambling and Vices, Teddy Bolista. The letter says, If you don't let my son go, you'll die. Al decides that Sal Pereira is the one who will die and starts to wring his neck. Suddenly, Al recognizes that this is his son, though he notes that it's too bad he's an imbecile. We cut away to Alligator Ladies 1 and 2 talking about Al Pereira being a son of a bitch and mellifluous, which is a word that I couldn't define, but thankfully they in the film defined it. Oh, good. Uh, He talks sweet, but he tricks people. Is that what it is? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to look it up. We cut to Alligator Ladies 1 and 3 and Sal Pereira and another guy sitting in chairs next to each other. It's February 24th, according to Sal. Mellifluous. Al Pereira has, de- Al Pereira has decided to pass along some of his property in his will to the National Association of Poor Whores. Oh, that's good. That's helpful for um, them. One of the ladies notes that they should get more, and Al says, It's bad enough that I'm dying. We then cut to Alligator Lady smoking a cigar. They note that this was Orson Welles' tobacco. The lady who brings this up notes she was only eight years old at the time, but she killed him. One lady notes that she and Al Pereira once had some romance and a couple of grandchildren together. The other lady notes she must mean children, but her friend notes... Al Pereira is old, so he could only conceive grandchildren. Oh. There's some Hmm. canned laughter in response to this. (laughs) We go back to the scene with the will, and Alligator Alligator Lady 3 is upset. Sal Pereira wants to weigh in as his son, but he's told to let the adults talk. There's some bickering about who should inherit what, And then we cut to Al Pereira in bed sleeping. Al says it's time for conclusions, causing Sal Pereira to clap and repeat conclusions over and over again. Al tells the alligator ladies that they have to come to bed with him or I'll die again. Al looks at the camera 
and at first in English and then in Spanish and apparently in a couple other languages, he repeats over and over again a line from Macbeth. Oh, yeah. Um, this is a story told by an idiot yeah. full of sound and fury signifying nothing. It's like this podcast. <laughs> you know? He's getting direction from Jess uh, and... He's kind of modifying the line, saying things like, instead of signifying nothing, signifying absolute shit. Jess is yelling at the people in the background dressed in costumes to dance. Oh, yeah. They're... And then for Al to dance as well. What's their deal? They've been in and out. Yeah. What, is, what do they mean? There are people in costumes dancing. What does it do? I don't know. What do you think it means? One of them's got no head. He's like a headless man. He's like a headless horseman. So Al, in English and Spanish and other languages, don't repeats the lines again and, again and again. I don't know. Well, guess. Uh, they are trying to raise the Sun King from the dead to take them all up to Valhalla. George Harrison? Yes. He's the Sun King? Yes. Here comes the Sun King. Opolo Estasunking. He's French. Louis. One of the Louis. Yeah, 14th 14, or 16th? Yeah, he's a Sun King. And um, that's what this movie's about, right? Yes. Okay, tell me more. So Antonio repeats the lines again and again, ad- adding, in, adding in curse words and such. We hear Jess say cut for the last time, telling everybody to stop dancing. They don't hear him at first, and Antonio tells them to stop. They all approach Jess, and he ends saying, well, that's it. And then we cut to credits. And thus was the end of Jess Franco's completed filmography, Al Pereira versus the Alligator Ladies. Wow. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to give our final thoughts on Al Pereira versus the Alligator Ladies. now well I, I hit record now okay are we back yeah, we're back and it's time for wow <laughs> god damn it <laughs> i thought i don't know what to think about this movie it uh if you like looking at slow moving tits and ass well this one's for you <laughs> Definitely, uh, as far as a deconstruction of film, a la Sex is Crazy, I don't think this goes quite as far, but maybe yeah. it goes further because it never really starts either. <laughs> There's never uh, a clear distinction between film and filmed. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly uh, enjoyed myself just kind of laying there in a 
paralytic state watching this, <laughs> letting it wash over me. Yeah. You know? But uh, I definitely didn't enjoy it as much as Sex is Crazy. I don't feel like it was as experimental as that point. I do feel like it was Franco returning to the well for the final time. Sure. Uh, and as we discussed in the film, there's some interesting symbolism and uh, a little bit of uh, speech about his perhaps his legacy. Yeah. In what uh, he might be uh, will be remembered for. I think that's a that's fairly interesting. You don't see that a ton in adult films. Yeah. But few directors have been at it as long as Franco was at this point. Right. Uh, so he has uh, perhaps a little bit more to say. Well, I can't say that I fully understand it. I uh, I did enjoy this uh, this final outing and uh, what I assume is the last Franco February ever. <laughs> so, like we've reached the end now, right? Yeah, more or less. Okay, so we're done. And uh, what a ride it's been. <laughs> this film... Uh, I would probably give a all all similar to last week's uh, probably about two and a half. Okay. I know a few weeks ago at the start of the month I, I didn't really know what to think about Sex is Crazy, but after seeing that one, after seeing this one and then that one and kind of comparing the two, that one I think is a much more successful experiment in this kind of thing. Sure. Retroactively, probably give it a three and a half. Okay. Um. So that's two ratings, one episode. Two girls, one cup. Um, two girls, one cup. And boss, it's time for... The raincoat review. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think that there's a lot of interesting, thought-provoking moments in this movie. But as a movie itself, it certainly has a lot of failings to it. Um, reading through what all Stephen Thrower wrote about it, it's clear that... He has a lot more enthusiasm for this film than I do. Um, you know, as we discussed along the way, there's a lot of interesting th- conversation-provoking themes and such in this film. Uh-huh. And a lot of ways to interpret the things going on. But at the end of the day, it's sort of confusing in a lot of ways although i'm not really holding that as much against it but at the end of the day it's also a bit dull in that there's just a lot of women swaying in front of the camera Mm -hmm. without necessarily the flourishes that make that sort of thing successful in jess's earlier films right like you could look back at sex is crazy and consider the uh like Something like the scenes with the Colombians. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, something like that where there's a uh, an element of like novelty added to that where she's being tortured and poked with uh, like dinners, furnished dinner. <laughs> yeah, cutlery. Uh, yeah, cutlery. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm going to also give this two and a half stars. Ooh. I think that there's, there's some meat on this bone. But at the same time, it's definitely not the it's more exciting. A bone. Yeah, it's definitely a bone. Yeah, but it's a bone. I can see that old gray bone. All that calcium. <laughs> yes. You've been drinking all that milk. Your bone's shiny. Shiny bone. 
it might be a shiny bone, but at the end of the day, still a bone. Got a little bit of meat on it, picking it like a vulture. <laughs> That's us. Well, thank you, everybody, for <laughs> making your way through Franco February with us. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Raincoat Report. Uh, don't forget that we have a Patreon for five bucks a month. You get two bonus episodes. We had a, perverted porno zones. We have a perverted porno zone on Patreon where you can join us. And uh, last week we talked about uh, some things that we found in the depths of Pornhub that are always fun for discussion. I saw a giant. Oh yeah, yeah. It was real. <laughs> uh, what wonderful webs we weave so thanks for supporting us everybody and if you're going to go up to the great nightclub sex show in the sky to watch jess franco direct lena romay once again don't forget your raincoat it was beautiful you always been